James has a, another pop quiz for us today. Less of a pop quiz and more of a reflective heart evaluation. So you may get uncomfortable. You may start sweating. I said quiz and some of you are like, like sweaty palms already. But, but this is a good thing for us. It's a good thing for us to, to reflectively think and evaluate our heart. It's really a time to ask God to reveal our parts, our hearts and lead us towards faith working through love. So faith and works are his focus this morning. And, and I'm going to boil it down from the jump into four categories. Now, this may be simplistic, but I, I hopeful, I'm hopeful it's a, a, a helpful diagnostic so you can see kind of where do I fit or what's going on with me. So faith and works. Now think about this. If there's no faith and no works, that's atheistic nihilism. It's like there's no God, there's no Jesus, there's meaning, it's, everything's meaningless, I don't do anything, right? Then there's faith and no works. That's, I, I, I'm making up these terms, or I'm, I'm trying to use these terms to help, but that's intellectual nominalism. Like I'm, I'm mentally assent to the claims of the Bible, uh, but, but I'm just a Christian by name, by, by just saying, like, I, I put my name on the form and said, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian by default. I've been around the church. I grew up in the South. I'm not Buddhist, so I'm Christian. Like, that, you defaulted into it. Because I, I assent to it, but there's no works. There's no fruit of that faith. Now, there's no faith in works. I would call that theological liberalism. Uh, that's, what, that's what many people are doing right now and deconstructing their faith, that's the, the phrase, is that they're moving away from the truth claims of the scripture, but they still hold to the love ethic of the scripture, and so they don't believe in Jesus, but they still want to serve something or, or uh, help others, and so get, get typically moving into political activism, or activism in some sort of, like, I've got to go that way, so I want to do works, but I, I don't believe the truth, and then there's what James says, faith and works. That's, that that's biblical Christianity. That's faith in Jesus and faith that follows Jesus, that actually does what he says and lives like Jesus. And so up front, where do you fit? And you, you, you don't have to answer immediately. I'm trying to get your gears working in your mind so that you can think about this because this is what James is going to cover. But maybe another question beyond where do you fit in this? is where am I tempted to drift in the first three? When I think about the third three, if, if I'm saying uh, I am a genuine Christian, well, where are you tempted to drift? What are the things that you need to be on guard for, to, to be aware of? Now, one author defines faith in James this way, and I think it's very helpful before we look at James 2.14. He says, faith is a Holy Spirit-empowered internal devotion to God, faith, that produces an external devotion to God, works, or faith. That's what we're talking about. That's what James is talking about. So James kicks off this section with a question, James 2, 14. Look at it with me. What page number was it, Allie? 1072 in the House Bible, if you need a Bible... Take it. You can have that Bible. James 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith 
but does not have works. Can such faith save him? Now, a reminder, or maybe to tell you if you haven't been with us, up to this point, James said in 122, uh, but be doers, hearers and doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. In 126, he says, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he de- deceives himself. Verse 27, pure and undefiled religion for God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So faith and acts of mercy go in hand. In the last section, he said, hey, faith and favoritism don't go hand in hand. But throughout this whole section, faith and acts of mercy, faith and works go hand in hand. So James is not starting something new. He's intensely reinforcing what he's already said. Is your faith genuine? Is it genuine? Or is it a mere confession? Is mere confession enough? I've wrestled through this with with family members and friends who have elderly parents and grandparents, and I talk to them, whether it be they're they're in hospice or at their heading towards their funeral, and they talk about that person's faith, as in they prayed the sinner's prayer when they were a child, and I keep asking some some questions, and then I come to find out like there's been no fruit of that faith throughout their life. That's something to wrestle through. Like, what's going on there? James is pushing us to a, evaluate our hearts and lives. Do we have deeds and actions that display our faith in Christ? And James gives a practical example, as he's so practical. Verse 15, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. So a fellow brother or sister in Christ is lacking food and clothes, and we tell them, have a good day, take care. What good is that? This doesn't make sense. What good is that? What benefit is it to say kind words but not to show kindness? What benefit is it to say, hey, God bless you, but you not bless them and meet their need? What good is it? There's no benefit here. Those words are dead, useless. And so is, James is saying, our faith without works. Dead, useless. This kind of faith, which is just the claim of faith, is lifeless, a lifeless corpse, dead, inanimate. That faith serves no purpose. Throw it in the garbage. It's useless. Strong words, right? Strong words by James. But James knows someone's going to object to his strong words, right? You probably feel it. You probably feel some objection in your heart like, ugh. Is it... Is that what James really means? Is that what he's really talking about? So James addresses this objector, this objection in verse 18. He says, but someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. That's how this works out. You got that faith, I got the works. That's how this, this goes hand in hand. 
He says, show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. Faith is what he's saying. He says, there's something, there's something very visual about this. You see that in the show. You'll see it later when he says, you see that faith is invisible without deeds done in love. Faith works. Faith works. Faith works. And you can see it visibly. You can see faith done in deeds of love, meeting those needs, not saying, good day, all right, I'll see you later, but actually meeting that need and caring for that person. Now, James, again, I've told you, uh, uh, is, is restating or, or gleaning a lot of wisdom from the Proverbs and his half-brother, Jesus. And what does Jesus say in Matthew 7? He says, you'll recognize them by their fruit. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. If you plant an apple seed, you know you're going to get apples. If God puts a new heart in you, then you know there's going to be good fruit. That's what happens. If you have a new heart that God has given you, saved you, reconciled him to himself, and made you alive, then what that heart is going to produce is a fruit. Good works. That's what it's going to do. Fruit flows from faith in Jesus. Do you hear me? Fruit flows from faith in Jesus. Or as Paul put it, faith working through love. Faith in Jesus working through love towards God and others. Confessing you are a Christian while ignoring other Christians' needs is not Christianity. And it doesn't compute for James. He says quite forcefully that faith can't save you. Can't save you. That so-called faith isn't genuine. Now, there's some things going on with this objection. The, the objector might be saying, or, or speaking of the spiritual gifts, saying, I have the spiritual gift of faith, and you have the spiritual gift of works, and we're all good. But no, you can't point at your spiritual gifts and say, I have the gift of faith, and you have the gift of, of mercy, because genuine faith works. Are you, uh, are you staying with maybe my big idea? Faith works. It does. Fruit flows from faith in Jesus. It's active. And this isn't just James' argument. I've already pointed you to Jesus' statement. What about, what about John's statement? 1 John 3, this is what John says. If anyone has the world's goods, money, resources, okay, and sees a fellow believer in need, 
but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. So, so John comes at it from the love angle. You say God's love is in you, that he's poured his love into your heart by the power of the Spirit and made you new, but you withhold compassion, you withhold uh, love from your brother or sister? No. How can this be? This is impossible. So let's, not, let's not say we love, but let's love in action and truth. Let's not just hear God's word, let's do God's word. Let's not just confess faith, let's believe and work. James continues this argument, verse 19. You believe that God is one, good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Senseless or foolish person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless. Now that phrase, God is one, is the Shema. It's from Deuteronomy 6.4. Every uh, Old Testament Israelite would say that most often daily. So they would confess, God is one. God is one. Every day, God is one. Good. Which, you know, we don't know exactly James' tone. He's pretty direct, I read a bit of sarcasm. It may be encouragement. He's like, you believe God is one? Good. I, I, I sense it's more like, you believe God is one? Good. Good for you. Wow. Fantastic. But the demons believe that. That's why I think there's sarcasm there, because <laughs> that's what he follows it up with. The demons believe that. Faith without works. So, so do you, do you, are you checking with the, the logic of James? He's saying, faith without works is dead. And now he's saying, also, faith without works is demonic. It's useless, dead, and demonic. This is the faith, the so-called faith that we're talking about. So let me put it, let's put it in what we say. We, we confess. Or we don't say God is one. I don't, you may, uh, but probably things that we say often that we hear to or we confess as a people or, or things like the Apostles' Creed or, or when Paul writes, Jesus is Lord. So that's something we'd say, right? We confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Savior. But, but if you say Jesus is Lord, but do not live it out good, you're on par with demons. That's where you're at. They believe, they believe and shudder, like it affects them. They tremble in fear. This comes back to a few weeks ago when we, we talked about the heart. Back in James 1.26, we talked about the heart in three perspectives that we can't reduce it to just one perspective. We have to see the heart in all three perspectives. There's the cognitive perspective, the, our thinking, our beliefs. There's the, the volitional perspective, that's our will, our choices, and then there's the effective perspective of our heart, what we love, our desires. And James is making clear here that God is after all of it. God's after your whole heart. God wants you to believe right and love him and to bear fruit out of that love 
for him, that you love others, that faith would actually work. Like we can't reduce our discipleship, our sanctification, just one of these. Like, hey, just think right. Or hey, just love right. Or hey, just behave right. The, <laughs> the love of Jesus for us is often more than what we actually believe. But also the call of Jesus is more radical than we actually act. He's saying, I want all of it. I want all of your heart. I want you to believe what I say. I want you to love me with all your heart. I, I want you to uh, live this out. Demons believe and experience emotion. So maybe the, the thinking, the cognitive, and the affective part of the heart. But you know what they don't do? They don't submit and obey. They don't follow. They don't live in step with the gospel. Faith is what I'm trying to say this morning. Faith isn't mere intellectual assent. Faith isn't simply an emotional response. Faith involves willful obedience. Willful obedience. Back, back to that, that, that definition at the beginning. This inward devotion to God and this external devotion to God. This delight in who he is, but then also this devotion that moves towards brothers and sisters in need and cares for them and helps them. Faith working through love. Faith that acts and serves and shows mercy in practical ways. Loves the poor. Serves the needy. Controls our tongue. The evaluation here is if your faith is a mere intellectual ascent where you confess the right words or you attend corporate worship on Sundays and you sing the songs but there's no fruit what kind of faith is this? Look at the fruit on the branches. So, so my, my warning to you because I know our context I grew up in Texas. I grew up in many churches that uh, there's a lot of people that were intellectual anomalous, that they say they're a Christian because they can agree with some of the tints of faith, but there's no fruit of their life. And what I'm begging with you is don't put your soul on the line of your sinner's prayer. Don't put the whole weight of your relationship with God based on you confessed a few words 30 years ago. Genuine faith works. And so if there's been no fruits in this, you can't put your hope on that moment. You can't put your life on that moment. You can't put your eternity on that moment. Genuine faith that believes Jesus is Lord. And when God saves you, you're able to confess that truly. He gives you a new heart. And what is that new heart going to produce? Fruit. Fruit flows from faith. In Jesus. So don't, don't join the demons in just saying, I believe this. I believe Jesus. Join the, de join, <laughs> don't join the demons. Join the disciples. That's the other D word I was looking for. Join the disciples in following Jesus. Submitting to Jesus. Obeying Jesus. 
Your faith shouldn't be dead because the object of your faith isn't. Do you hear me? You can't have dead faith if you have a living Savior. And so if you've put all your weight on that moment or saying a few words, I'm calling you, no, no, turn. The biblical term is repent. Turn from your sin. Turn from your wrong thinking. Turn from loving the world, loving a comfort, loving whatever idol that's controlling you, and turn to Jesus and bank your life and eternity on him. To put your hope in him. To ask him to forgive you and give you a new heart. To confess to him. That's what James is after. Not this mere intellectual ascent, but this genuine faith that Jesus is the Lord. But James isn't done. He keeps pressing. He keeps pressing. He gives another example. So verse 20 again. Senseless person. Senseless person. Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Example, wasn't Abraham our father justified by works and offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture is fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he, Abraham, was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab, the prostitute, also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So his point is, in these examples, is Abraham didn't just believe God. He believed, and that meant he obeyed God. He believed that that God was going to do what he said, so much so that, that God promised, Isaac is going to be your heir. He's the one that I'm going to bless the nations through him. I'm going to make you a plentiful nation through Isaac. And so then God calls him to sacrifice Isaac. And what does Abraham do? He moves with it. He obeys God, trusting God, believing God that, that God's going to resurrect Isaac or he's going to do something because he's promised me. And I believe his promise. Rahab believed the Lord is the God of heaven. That's her confession. But what does that lead toward? She believes that God is the Lord of heaven, so she acts to help the Israelites. In particular, the two spies that were checking out the city so that they can get back and get back and tell the news. Two different people, quite different people. I think that James does that on purpose, a patriarch and a prostitute, both with faith and works. Faith without works is dead. If Abraham didn't act on his belief, that's fake faith. Faith without fruit isn't genuine faith. Rahab saying that Lord is the God of heaven means that she believes, and so what does she she bears fruit and following, submitting to, helping God's people. So I want you to think about this way. 
faith isn't just audible, it's visible. That's James' point. Faith isn't just audible, it's visible, it's seen, it's on display through these good works, through that fruit. Verse 45 again, you see this? So we take this, I think, this phrase as, as you know or you think, but literally, verse 24 is you see. And that fits with what James has been saying. That, that faith is shown through the fruit, through those works. And so he says, you see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. It's visible. You can see that person's faith on display. Now, this is probably what you're like wrestling with. If you've been around the church at all, like, oh, this is a big one. He's going to get to verse 24 and he's going to have to deal with that. I'm going to deal with it, but I don't want it to become the main thing when the main thing is faith works. I don't want us to lose James's big idea uh, because we have to wrestle with this, this section. But let's wrestle with this section. People wrestle with this, why? Because James 2.24 and Romans 3.28 feel weird. Side by side, there it is. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. James 2.24 you see the person justified by works and not faith alone. What? A lot of H's in that what because it it's, feels like a conundrum. This is one of those pain points that people point on and say, hey, the Bible's contradictory. Hey, you can't believe it. Hey, it's not God's word. Hey, this is not the truth. These things fight against one another. Even on salvation, two of the uh, apostles don't agree. Like, All right. Let's back up from the one sentences and think about the context. Let's think about the context and who each person is speaking to. Paul in Romans, so this is Romans 3, but also in Galatians is speaking against people attempting to, to attain salvation by their works, by them keeping all the law. And what does he say in Romans 3? No, 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 you can't. It's impossible for anyone to uh, perfectly uphold all of the law because we've all sinned, all fallen short of the glory of God. These people are trying to win their way to salvation, trying to earn their way, trying to climb the ladder up to God by accomplishing, by uh, perfection, by achieving, doing all the right things. But God's grace is unmerited favor to the undeserved. You can't earn it. And so Paul, Paul is vehement in Romans and Galatians, uh, pushing back, addressing those people like, no, this is not salvation. Don't put your hope in your works of the law to earn God's salvation. Salvation comes through Jesus alone. It's through his work that we're saved, not by ours. Now think about James. James, you've been with us or you at least heard the last few minutes of this section. James is speaking against people who say they are believers, but there's no fruit of their faith. That's who he's speaking against. People that are like, I believe in Jesus. I don't do any works. I don't serve people. I ignore other brothers and sisters that are in need. James is like, no, no, this isn't it. The, the full story of the Christian life is this. Maybe I shouldn't say full. 
portrait of the Christian life, <laughs> portrait of the uh, uh, Christian life is this. God works for you, God works in you, and God works through you. And, and what Paul is addressing is the first two. God works for you and in you. He's talking about Jesus accomplished your salvation by living the perfect life, dying in your place, rising from the grave to justify you. And the Holy Spirit has applied that to you particularly. So, so God's work for you in the person and work of Jesus. And God's work in you by the Holy Spirit applying the redemption of Jesus to you particularly. James isn't talking about those two. James is talking about the third one. James is talking about God's work through you. The external results, results of your internal faith. That's what he's speaking about. So to be very clear, James and Paul aren't at odds with one another at all. They're, they're not going toe-to-toe one another. Like even some commentaries will say that James speaking to the objector a few verses before that he is speaking to Paul himself. What? Number one, by church history, James wrote this before Paul wrote anything. So that crumbled quickly. But also it doesn't make sense because they're not at odds with one another. You know what? Paul's not against works. He's not. They're not at odds with one another. They're not going toe-to-toe. Actually, they're back-to-back one another, standing on the gospel, addressing different problems. Paul's addressing this problem, and James is saying, I'm addressing this problem. They're standing back-to-back together. Paul isn't against works, but he is serious about the order of salvation. We are saved by grace and Jesus' works, not our own. But we are saved Two good works. God has planned to do through us by the Holy Spirit. So James says, says, I don't know what that was. I'm sorry. I don't know why I repeated it too. I knew I had no jokes this morning because it's a very serious text. So I'm accidentally saying, I'm not accident. I am accidentally saying it. James is saying, faith without works is dead. To show you that they're not at odds with one another, Paul says very similar things in different phrases. He speaks of the obedience of faith in Romans 5. In 1 Thessalonians 1.3, he says, the work of faith. Sound familiar? Flip it. Faith works. He's saying the same thing as James. Or what I've said twice already from Galatians 5.6, what matters is, Faith working through love. But if you're like, I'm not convinced, I still see this at odds, I'm unsure. All right, let's see the God's work for you, in you, and through you in one passage. This is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. That's God's work for you. For we are his workmanship. That's God's work in you. He gives you a new heart. He adopts you into his family. He makes you his son, his daughter. And then that next phrase, do you see it? Oh, this sounds like James. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. That's God's work through you. 
So you're not saved by your works, but you're saved for works. You are. Fruit flows from your faith in Jesus. So our Lord isn't dead, so let's not have dead faith. Faith that works, faith that moves, faith that's active. Being active, serving one another. Lovingly looking ways to help and care for one another. This is what James after. This is what James wants. And so I'll just come back to the initial evaluation. To be honest, where are you at? If, you, if you'd ask God, where am I at? Where, where would you fit in those four categories? Honestly. And if you're like, if you have a very tender conscience, you're probably thinking of all the imperfection in your life. You're like, I am terrible. Everything I do turns to trash. My faith is useless. Uh, but if you're a genuine Christian, you need to let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speak to your spirit that you're a child of God. But others of you have a very hard conscience, and you've already, you, you probably wrote me off 30 minutes ago. You're like, no, I read my Bible last week. Check. I'm a great Christian. There's fruit. Nailed it. Or something. You just put something. You, you ran to something in your mind to say, I'm good. I'm great. I'm fine. There's no, no problem. And what you need to ask the Spirit is to actually expose what's happening in your heart. What's actually there. But I, I want to I finish with this kind of beautiful vision of faith working through love for us as a family. And it comes from Martin Luther. Luther, he says this. Oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. It is impossible for not to be doing good things incessantly. It does not ask whether good works are to be done, but before the question is asked, it has already done this and is constantly doing them. And so when I, when I think about this for us, I think about uh, just a family growing together, bearing fruit all over the place that blesses one another. If you, if you know Psalm 1, there's this imagery of, uh, of a mature Christian who's like a tree planted by the waters that, that uh, is, a, is a place for animals to nest, is a place for animals to eat, a place for humans to come and eat and, and find shade. It, it just blesses everyone. And when I think about that, I think there's, there's at least like 150, 200 people in this room as individual trees that are just bearing fruit to bless one another. Faith working through love towards one another incessantly. Just this busy, active faith that is caring for and helping and not allowing any one of us to be told, have a good day, we bless you but we don't actually meet the need. Fruit flows from faith in Jesus. Faith works, and it works beautifully in this church. I'm going to pray for more of it. Father, I pray that you continue to do this in us. A people 
who live out their faith. That faith is active and in working. Would you do that more in us? That, that we would see that when, when we're tempted to tell someone, God bless you, but we don't actually bless them, we're fighting against what you want. And what you want is for you to be working through us to bless that person. And then, Lord, I, I pray, would you, would you cut to our hearts with these strong words from James? Would you expose what's really going on? And then, Lord, would you save? Would you rescue men and women and children right now? That they, they would see their, their condition before you? that they don't genuinely know you. That their faith wasn't genuine. And would you woo them to yourself and grab them and make them yours and that they would cry out, Lord, I need you and, and confess and put their faith in you and submit to you. Would you give them a new heart, a new heart that will produce fruit for the rest of their lives. Christ's name I pray. Amen.